Alright. Why don't you go ahead and grab a seat and we'll get started here. Okay, well, I uh, just want to start off by saying welcome to the Firehouse Church. My name is Rich. I'm one of the pastors here. Um, if I haven't got to meet you, I'd love to meet you. But thank you for joining us this morning. We are um, several weeks into a series just related to giving. And so uh, if you're new, if you're just visiting, I just want to let you know, um, you know, this I don't believe in accidents. You're here for a reason, I'm sure. So, uh, no, I'm joking. But thank, thanks for joining us uh, you know, as a part of this series. If you're new and you're going to be back again, you know, um, if you're not just passing through, you know, we'd love to meet you. And um, anyway, so we are going to do part three of a series on giving here. I think Brad is going to wrap up the series next week. So I'm going to go ahead and pray, and then we're going to jump into this and uh, even give you a little recap of the last several weeks here. So let's just ask God to bless us here. Well, Lord Jesus, we do just want to look to you. Just ask that you would um, open our hearts uh, and our minds, even as as David prayed uh, this morning, that we would hear from you, that you would open our our minds to the Scriptures to understand them better, to understand and know you better, and what you would have us to do um, in response to that. Lord, I pray that as we talk on the subject of giving, that you would bring our thoughts in line with your thoughts on this, Lord. Um, You are our Creator, the Creator of heaven and earth, and and your thoughts trump our thoughts, trump this culture's thoughts. And so we just look to you and ask you would make any adjustments that are needed, Lord, in in anything that we talk about. And so we just look to you. We thank you that you are our provider. We thank you that you are our faithful Lord. And we just... Ask all this grace in Jesus' name. Amen. Alright, so just uh, maybe, a little, uh, maybe a little summary, a recap, overview of where we've been here in the last couple weeks. You know, Tim actually started us uh, onto this subject uh, two weeks ago, I believe. And he, um, you know, he really did a brief overview of Genesis to Malachi and uh, everything in between. So it was, um, you know, he got us, brought us to Malachi and talked about the, uh, the really the, you know, the, the history of Israel, but even coming down to uh, returning to the Lord, starting at returning their hearts to the Lord, and then things from there would flow, even related to giving and other things. And and last week, um, Greg Miller talked about really some specifics related to giving. You know, I think one of the uh, Questions he just he answered in, in many different ways was just why give why should we give and then gave a number of uh, reasons why and then a number of, I really loved a section on practicals of practical questions people might have related to giving and he talked about the concept of a tithe and giving a tenth and so um, really I'm going to talk more today on some of the uh, maybe some of the how tos of giving some things that might help us in in our giving and, and understand God and and uh, how our faith relates to giving, and so I'm going to look at that. But before we get into that, I do uh, want to throw out some some trivia here, um, some some of those uh, some questions for the uh, the scholars in the group here related to finances and giving. I um, I didn't bring any candy or anything up. We could get some donuts if there's any donuts. We can throw them at you. I do have one dollar, but um, that's for an illustration, not for a gift. So. Um, <laughs> But anyways, a few things, uh, you know, one of the, this summer we had a pastor's conference where one of the themes we talked about was giving, and, and there were some statistics shared with us there, and, and one of them was just a, a study that was done, I believe, by Rick Warren on the, the topic of giving, and he went through some different uh, things in the Bible and just kind of asked the question of, how many times do you think this occurs in the Bible? And, and the first category was uh, the word believe, believe, believing, believed. How many times would you say that was in the Bible? Thousand. How did you know? No, I'm just joking. That, I guess if you guessed exactly, I, I would give you that dollar. So that's a big deal. Um, 275 times references, depending on the translation you're reading. Another concept that you think would be prevalent in the Bible is, is prayer. Prayer, pray, praying. How many times? Guesses. You're probably not going to get close unless you were there. Some of you were actually there. So... Uh, 371 is the number of times related to, to speaking uh, about prayer. What about love? Love, loving, loved, lovage, things like that. Um, 
it's, uh, it increases in number to 714 times that that's mentioned in the Bible. What about the subject of giving? Give, giving, giving, 1,000. Close, but wrong. Um, uh, 2,162 times the subject of giving. You know, it's, uh, it's probably more important than we realize. When I heard some of those stats, it was more important than I had realized. I, thought, I really thought Lovage would be up there higher than that. And, uh, but uh, another thing was asked was, uh, what percentage of Jesus' teachings had to do or related to money? Any, any guesses? 10%. Hey. <laughs> very, very. Very spiritual number. He was here last week. 10% is the answer. Last week, that was the answer to everything. 10%. Um, 25%. 25% of what Jesus had to say related to money. Uh, as, it, as far as His parables went, 38 parables in the Gospels, um, 16 out of 38 related to money. Um, you know, uh, the idea, you know, sometimes we can go, well, that's Old Testament. You know, the idea of tithing, that's Old Testament. But in some ways, if you think of what Jesus did, some concepts from the Old Testament and how He extrapolated on them in the New, think about the idea of murder. You know, oh, that's Old Testament. But what did Jesus do in regards to murder? He said, hey, not only are you not supposed to murder people, that, that's still a good idea not to do that, but, but in your heart, there's even a higher bar that the thoughts in your heart are you'll be judged for murder when there's anger and hatred there. When it comes to adultery, you know, we know you should not commit adultery. But he, he brought even a higher bar. He said if there's lust in your heart, you will be judged for adultery. So when it comes to tithing and the concept of 10%, what do we think Jesus' thoughts were on, on giving related to that? Um, some of you have probably heard the statistics. I think Barna and other organizations would say the average Christian gives... 2% of their income to, to charitable causes. 2%. The answer is supposed to be 10%, guys. 10%. No. But um, 10% was Old Testament standard. You know, I would kind of guess the spirit of some of those teachings would be that the bar actually raises um, in a New Testament relationship with God. And so, um, you know, um, and we'll, we'll look at some of the things that Jesus had, had to say about that. But... Um, so then, uh, you know, another question for you here as we talk about money. Um, a number of different purposes. There's a number of different God-given purposes for money. That's for sure. It's not just for church, you know, or something like that. But how about we, we throw out some, uh, what are some uses or purposes that, that money accomplishes? Even God-given purposes that money accomplishes. They don't all have to be spiritual. Though a few of them should be. Um, Food, to buy food, maybe uh, provide for needs, be a, a larger category there. Provision, needs, other uses of money, your money, our money, my money. Vacation, there you go, things, uh, you know, fun, yeah, that's a crazy concept, but there's even a place in the Old Testament where they were instructed to use their money to buy fermented beverages, you know, so that's, uh, I've been, that's one to take to the bank there, I think it's Leviticus somewhere, um, but, uh, you know, there's, there's actually, you can use, uh, our, God has given us everything we need for our enjoyment of life. Other things. Um, think about April. What's that? Investing. Yep, there's a great use of money as well. Then um, we think about April 15th. Ta yeah, that's first on our list. Taxes. We've got to pay Caesar. What is due Caesar? Other things for, for money. Giving. Yep, giving is another great thing. Uh, I think we covered a lot of the, the general basic categories there. But, um, you know, one question that maybe we should think about or was thrown out at our pastor's conference, and it's, it's stuck with me since then. It's just kind of been this thought that, I don't know, haunts me or encourages me. But, you know, it was shared there that the, the first purpose of our money is, is worship. The first purpose. There's a lot of purposes. Our needs, providing for our family, paying taxes, paying debts, things like that. But our, the first purpose of our money is worship. We're to give the first and the best to God. Really, that's part of what tithing was that we talked about last week there. But, you know, those are just some, some challenging thoughts to set the table. The idea of tithing, again, 10%. Um, you know, um, 10% is a great thing, but really, in the spirit of you know, improving and how Jesus raised the bar. Um, I would say tithing is intended to be more of a, a milestone 
than a destination. You know, I think that the spirit of the New Testament, I, I think, would be even more generous than the amount that was set in Old Testament law there. And so, um, some things to chew on. But we're going we're gonna to look at a few things here. Actually, we're going to look at, really, I think it's the first uh, example of giving or uh, an offering or something like that related to someone's income um, or material gain. Uh, first instance of that in the Bible. And so, we'll read this together here. You may or may not have any guesses of who that might be. I heard it right there. Cain and Abel. Okay, we're going to take a look at the story of Cain and Abel here. I always get confused who was the bad guy and who was the good guy, right? So, we'll, we'll remind ourselves of that here. Um, so, here's just the, the first example of... of how we should relate to God as, as far as our material gain, our, our income, uh, our money. It says this, Now Abel kept the flocks, and Cain worked the soil. In the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soils and offering to the Lord. But Abel brought fat portions of some of the firstborn of his flock. The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering. But on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. So Cain was very angry, and his face was downcast. Then the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at the door. It desires to have you, but you must master it. Now Cain said to his brother Abel, Let's go out to the field. And while they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. It's the first uh, example of what someone did with the, the increase, the income that God gave them, Cain and Abel here. And, you know, so um, there might be a number of things you would stick in the blank here. Giving that pleases God requires, well, if you look at this, we could go, maybe it's flocks. Giving that pleases God requires sheep, you guys. That's the blank. Um, no, just joking. Um, Giving that pleases God requires money. You know, I guess that's a, you could say that, but that's not necessarily true. I mean, the only truth. And there's a few things that would fit in there, but I don't know about you, but when I first read this story, uh, and, and for a number of years, I kind of go, okay, here's Cain and Abel. They both bought, bought their offerings. One's, you know, working the land, one's working the animals. And, um, and, and God kind of goes, oh, I like this one, and I, and I don't like that one. You know, it's like, Real clear right here that God is uh, not a vegetarian, right? He took the meat offering over over the veggies there. Um, but no, you know, I, I just, my thought, and maybe some of you would still have this thought, that does not seem fair. Who is God to say one person's giving is better than another person's giving? What was going on there? And you know, I think uh, if we look a little closer, and maybe you, you already have, but um, you catch a little of what go, was going on here when we see that it says that Cain brought some. He brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. He brought some. But something's better than nothing, right? And what did Abel bring? Abel brought the fat portions, the good stuff. Um, and he brought the firstborn. He really brought the first and the best that God had given him. As compared to bringing some. You know, you would think some is good enough. Apparently not. Apparently, God has an interest uh, about what's going on in your heart when you give your heart and mind. Um, and so that's you know some real challenging things there, but a the, lot to learn from that very first example of giving and what was going on in the heart there. And so really the, the blank that we're going to put here, maybe there's a number of different things, but the point I want to draw out is that giving that pleases God requires faith. It requires faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. We're told in Hebrews 11.6. This other one, again, um, verse that we've looked at the last couple of weeks, but it just has to do, God says, how, how do we, or we say to God, this was Israel, but they're saying, how do we rob you, God? And He said, in tithes and offerings. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in, the, in this. And so um, we're going to talk about some of these things here. But it takes faith to give the first and best of your income to God. It takes faith. Now, if you do it robotically or if you're doing it for uh, you know, tax deduction, those are all fine. That's legal. It's there for a reason. But that's different than doing it as an act of worship. The first purpose of our money is for worship, to bring the first and the best. You know, and God could have designed, hey, look, 100% of what you have is mine, so I want 99%. Make do with the rest. He gave us a pretty decent deal here. 10% and 90 to live off of. 
10% is enough to where you can fill it, and yet 90% is sure a lot to, to live off of it and put money to use in a lot of different ways there. Um, you know, again, it takes faith to give a tithe or to give a tenth of your income. I don't know about you, but um, uh, I could sure use that tenth back. You know, uh, I would... Uh, I tithe regularly. I've tithed ever since I first heard about the concept. And, and you know what? I would sure love... I, I have a lot of places where I put a tenth of my income every month um, besides giving, giving it as an honor to the Lord. But it takes faith to do that. And um, I remember the first time I was approached with the subject of tithing. I had no idea. I was involved in a student ministry. I just knew I wanted to follow Jesus. And uh, I remember one guy asked me, he said, Hey, do you, you give a tithe or, or do you tithe? And I'm like, do I what? You know, tithe? I'd never heard of the concept before. He's like, you know, are, are you giving? And I was like, sure, I'm giving. I give, you know. Five bucks here, twenty bucks there. I give. Um, but he was like, you know, do you give a tenth? You know, a tithe? And I'm like, never heard of it. What's a tithe? And so he explained to me the idea of honoring God with a, a tenth. And you know what? I, I was thinking, well, I'm, I'm following Jesus. My life has been turned around. If something's in this book, I'm going to put it into action. And so he shared a few verses, and from that day forward, I began to tithe. Funny thing was that... Um, uh, I was an engineer at Hewlett Packard, single guy, just me and my salary and and life, you know. And um, but I had not given very much, you know, money up into that point. And I began to tithe, and I had a little debt coming out of college, mostly uh, credit card debt for my last year of summer school to actually graduate, and and uh, put a couple. Well, between that and, and some other things, I had a couple grand on a credit card, and uh, been paying that off slowly. Uh, but when I began to tithe, I started going, wow, this is a chunk of change. You know, um, I think back then I was making somewhere four, four to five hundred, uh, or four to five hundred dollars was the tithe, four to five thousand a month as an engineer. And I was going, man, this is a chunk. I'm used to a church. I came from a church where, you know, the plate passed by and, uh, you know, someone put five bucks in or twenty bucks. You're like, ooh, twenty bucks, man. They're big givers there. But write a check for four hundred bucks was like, well, okay, let's do this. I- I'm following. Jesus now, and it seems to be pretty clear from the Scriptures. And so I began doing it, but at the same time as I started doing that, I also started paying down my debts. I'm like, you know what, I need to get out of debt. I'm thinking about the possibility of working for the church. I should, church, I should clear my debt. And so I began tithing, and I began paying down my debt. And really, I began spending an extra $1,000 a month, um, and in six months I had my debt paid off. I'd begun tithing, but uh, it made me wonder why why had I not you know, gotten out of debt before that point, it didn't take much, but once I got my tithe in place, other things started lining up, and and you know haven't looked back from there. You know, it takes faith to test God in this. You may tithe for myself; I've tithed faithfully for years. But you know, there's a whole other level of faith when you test God in something. You know, it's kind of like you say, uh, right here, this thing says, "Bring the tithe in and, and test me in this." And He says, "See if I won't open the floodgates." To test God is um, it's kind of like going, God. I did my part. Now it's time for you to do yours. And you might go, how dare you say that to God? But, you know, God says, test me in this. Guys, if you want to see if I'm for real here, here's what I want you to do. Give your tithe. Bring your offering. And then have an expectation on me that, that I said you could have. As a matter of fact, I commanded you to test me in this. It takes faith to test God in this, and I, and I hope you are. I've been freshly challenged by this because it's easier to be in routine, and I figured out how to live without 10% of my income that I would still like to have, and, and we can get in routine as compared to faith and worship of God with our money. We need to test Him in this. You know, it's even harder. It takes even more faith to give an offering. Some of you might not be familiar with this terminology, but the idea of the tithe is I give my first tenth to God. Anything beyond a tenth, anything beyond my regular giving is considered, it's called an offering. That's how we would understand the Scriptures uh, ourselves here. And so the idea of giving a tithe and testing God in this, and then the whole concept of an offering, talk about faith. For me, the other steps are a little bit easier. I'm in the progress, uh, the process of testing God with some tithing this month. Got paid this week, and I'm going, Lord, I'm going to take you to the bank on this one. So, uh, you know, let's see what happens here. Uh, my wife and I just prayed and when we got our check and, and wrote our tithe check. and um, But we're going to test God in that. But giving an offering, now there's a whole other thing. And it's like, isn't it enough that I, that I gave, that I gave a tenth, that I gave in faith, 
What's this whole offering? For me, that's sometimes the hardest thing to do is give beyond my routine giving. And often I've only done that when there's a special need. When we take an offering as a church, we've done, I remember doing a building campaign and different campaigns back in Fort Collins when I was a part of the church there. And I always uh, trusted God with that. God always blessed. He always provided when it seemed like there was no way for that to happen for my budget. But all of these things, the point in all of this is that it takes faith to please God with your giving. And um, again, sometimes someone might ask the practical question, uh, oh, well, I, I can't... You know, maybe you might think to yourselves, I'm looking at these numbers, I, I can't afford to give. Uh, I've had that thought before. I remember the first time I was taught on this subject, uh, John Meyer shared, and he kind of shared the counter to the idea of I can't afford to give. When you think about all that is tied up in your heart and, and related to money and your relationship with God and following Him as a disciple and the blessing that is in store, you know, really it comes down to, I think it would be easier to say, I, I can't afford not to give. I can't afford not to tithe. There's too much at stake to not do this. I've lived with that concept ever since I heard about it over 17 years ago. And, but, you know, we need to just realize it's going to take faith. So the obvious question is, okay, a lot of faith needed here. My faith levels are really low. Thanks. I'm discouraged. Let's go watch the Bronco game. Um, <laughs> regain the faith or something. We'll see. Um, but so the next question uh, becomes, well, what is, uh, where does this kind of faith come from that we're talking about? It sounds easy enough, theoretical enough. It's in the verses there. But where does this kind of faith come from? And, you know, I'm just going to give you a few things. These will be on your blanks here as well. But, um, you know, one place that faith comes from is uh, a desire to please God. Here's a verse here, the Apostle Paul's writing. In the context of people who were giving financially, even, a, I think, an offering to meet needs. And, and he said this, To them I am amply supplied, and now that I've received uh, from Aphrodite the gifts you sent, they are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. Do you know our pleasing is, uh, when we give, it's pleasing to God. Um, and we can't give without faith, but when we do give with faith, God is pleased by that. And, and we need to know that. That can motivate us to take a step of faith. God will be pleased if I take this step of faith. Another uh, a way to generate or a source of faith is to realize that um, we have a need to obey God. You know, Jesus said this, if you would consider yourself one of His followers, He said, uh, He who has my commands and obeys them, um, He who has my commands and obeys them, He is the one who loves me. And, and the idea that if you're going to follow Jesus, you've got to have His commands and you've got to obey them, and it's a way to show love. Many times, faith from the Old Testament to the New, faith is often in a situation that requires, in order to obey God, Faith is needed. You know, I think about the Israelites time and time again. In order to take the promised land, faith was needed to overcome the giants of the land. In order to fight some king who outnumbered you, faith was needed. And time and time again, they would not step into that. Uh, they would not obey. They didn't have the faith to obey. And we have to realize, sometimes to take a step of faith, it, it makes a little more sense when you go, you know what, God wants, this is an obedience thing here. And, and I said I'm in to follow Christ and I've got to take this step and trust Him to come through. And we have to realize that's a part of where faith comes from. Uh, another thing is, you know, faith comes from God's Word and God's promises. I think classic verse there in Romans 10, 15 talks about that faith comes from hearing and, and hearing the Word of God. You know, there's we can have faith response to God's promises. He promises something and we could take a step of faith in response to that. Another thing, a place that faith comes from, and I would say if you had to pick one thing that should generate faith that is the source of our faith, it is from God's character. It is from God's faithfulness. Because God is faithful, we can take steps of faith. Because God is trustworthy, we can take steps to put our trust in Him. And really that's the... Uh, uh, probably the, the secret of our faith is in God's faithfulness. And so, um, you know, one thing I was just thinking about related to the, the dollar bill here, um, if you take a piece of money, uh, American money here, whatever, um, you, you notice some of the different things that are on most of our bills. Um, one obvious one is in God we trust, you know. I don't know about you, but I thought that's pretty ironic for a long time. You know, so money is what we say in God we trust. Uh, you've probably seen the bumper sticker in God we trust. All others pay cash. You know, that's um, 
it's, it's interesting that it's on there. I know the heart would be that we trust God, and obviously we, we put God first, and we have money has its uses. Um, some other things about uh, money here. Um, some of you know some of the secrets hidden in uh, the monetary system. Any of you practice Freemasonry and stuff like that? Um, I don't know if you know, if you fold this just right, you got Washington's face here. You ever done this before? You can see an image of Barack Obama right there in the... It's for real. No, I'm just joking. I'm just joking. All right. Um, secret stuff there. But, um, you know, some of the things it says, it says this note, this piece of paper is, uh, is legal tender for all debts, public and private. This is just a piece of paper. You know, if you didn't know what this was in some other context, you'd think, you know, I could blow my nose with this. I could do other things with this. But because we know... This is a promissory note that is backed by the Federal Reserve, the United States government. There's gold somewhere out there representing them, you know, that gives this value. Um, but the same is true when it comes to the things of God. You know, just as a nation who issues a lot of currency, I think about the Civil War days when they're issuing currency on the South that really had, it was just paper, you know, and probably more valuable as paper than anything else. Um, but when, you know, the promise is only as good as the one backing the promise. And I think about the promises of God and all these amazing promises. We're going to look at a few of them. But they're backed by the, the faithfulness of God, the sovereignty of God, the power of God, the graciousness of God. He is backing every promise that we come across here. And we don't ever have to worry if, uh, you know, there's, if there's an economic bubble that pops or something happens worldwide. God uh, backs His promises with the resources of, of heaven and all that He has. And so we need to catch that. We really have a reason why we can trust Him. Now here's a few promises we're going to look at just related to faith. And again, there's a great verse. If we are faithless, you know what? He remains faithful. Whether you trust Him or not, He is trustworthy. He's faithful. He cannot deny His own existence. And we need to realize that um, sometimes we come in and out of seasons of faith or not faith, but God is always trustworthy. And whenever you turn back to Him and turn your heart to Him and begin to trust Him, He will be as faithful as, as He ever was. Um, God, bless, God promises another thing that generates faith. These promises here, here's some specific ones that can help generate faith. God promises to bless our giving generously. Again, this one in Malachi, it just says, Hey, bring the tithe in and test me in this. And here's what you're to watch for. And see if I do not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have enough room for it. There's a promise there that you're supposed to test God with, and I'm going to test God with. God, you say this. I'm stepping out in faith here. I don't even know what this will look like, but it should look pretty good here. Floodgates of heaven, uh, more blessing than you have room for. That, that sounds like a deal. I'll try to figure out you know, all the different facets of that. But um, Another promise here, this proverb says, Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing, and your vats will brim over with new wine. Again, it's a promise, a generous response by God to our giving. Another one, a New Testament one. Here's Jesus again speaking on the subject. He said this, Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, uh, will be poured out in your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Uh, again, this similar verse here and in um, the letter, second letter to the Corinthians. But it says, remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. You know, we're going to be reaping the harvest of whatever we've sown. And so um, here's some promises that would encourage us to sow generously with uh, the money God's given us. Some other things here. Another great promise is in the context of giving. God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. It's kind of talking to the Corinthians about, hey, as you guys gave this special offering to help meet needs of those in Jerusalem, um, by the way, you need to know God can make everything abound for, for anything that you need at any time. Another great promise in the context of giving. This one, too, is another one that I've used from time to time. But again, it's directly in response to the Philippians giving to help out um, needs. And so this says, And my God, he's talking about how they supplied needs uh, of Paul and his labor, co-laborers uh, in different places. But he went on to say, And my God will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. Some very generous promises that God is waiting to respond to, to whoever would 
uh, kind of want to cash in on those. And, um, you know, another thing that I think can help us with the faith that we need here is to realize also that God has designed our giving to provide for the needs of our church. God has designed uh, a local church to be provided by the giving that comes through that local church. You know, in, in our church... Um, we have a history of having, um, we, we don't own any buildings or property or things like that. As some of you might know, we have a lease on this location here, but it's kind of in a number of our churches the idea that we invest more in, in people than in property. And, um, you know, and there's a time when you buy property and it's a wise investment and things like that, but we're, we're not at that place. We invest our church, the vast majority of our needs relate to people providing salaries for myself, for Greg Miller. Then we have our other expenses. We do have uh, things to, to pay, bills to pay, rent, or which is in the form of a construction loan right now, things like that. But God has designed that that should come from, from our giving. Um, here Jesus talks about this sort of giving. The worker deserves his wages. That's what he said back with the disciples. This is a great one. And in Corinthians 9 here, it just talks about, quoting from the Old Testament, do not muzzle an ox while it's treading out the grain. And he says, is that about oxen that God's really concerned? Or doesn't he say that for us, for, for people you know, who are laboring for God there? Um, he goes on to say, yes, this was written for us. Because when the plowman plows and the thresher threshes, they ought to uh, do so in the hope of sharing in the harvest. If we've sown spiritual seed among you, is it too much uh, if we reap a material harvest from you? In the same way, the Lord has commanded that those who preach the gospel should receive their living from the gospel. See the next slide here. Another verse on that uh, from Timothy. The elders who direct the affairs of the church are, are well, are worthy of double honor, especially those whose work is preaching and teaching. For the Scripture says, "Do not muzzle the ox while it's treading out the grain, and the worker deserves his wages." Again, God has designed that a church would provide for its uh, its workers, and so. Um, you know, so I'm sharing all this, and really, sometimes there's been the question, I think Greg alluded to it last week, so what is the situation that our church is in? You know, let's, uh, let's move from the theory to the reality here. Where are we at? And in order to answer that question, uh, you know, I think of where we're at as a church, uh, kind of what's, what's going on as far as the provision of the church, I think it's great to look at that in light of the vision. What is the vision God has given us um, to carry out here? And so... Um, Let's see here. Um, there's a few jingles. Some of you have been a part of stewardship campaigns and things like that. There's a lot of fun jingles out there. I thought we would look at a couple of them. This one I heard I liked. Uh, I think Alan actually told me this one recently. But it says, um, where God guides, He also provides. It's got a nice ring to it. I think we could put that in haiku format if we worked at it. Um, let's see here. Um, another one. Uh, let's see, when we follow God's vision, He gives the provision. I think there's a, a, even a more uh, rhythmic way of saying that, but this is what I remember. Uh, another one that, you know, I've been chewing on myself, and this is not going to probably sell any books or anything, but uh, if you're in God's will, He'll pick up the bill. That's one that's, uh, you know, I don't know. You can think about it, pray about it. Something probably more helpful than that would be this verse here where Jesus said, Seek first His kingdom and His righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. When you're looking into God's kingdom and doing things that are right by His standard, He'll take care of the rest. You know, the context there is the needs, uh, clothing, food, different things like that. And so um, that's, that's probably a better jingle than He'll pick up the bill. But same idea, um, just a little... A little more official there. Um, so, you know, so that's... Um, let's see what we have next here. So really the question becomes, well, what is, what is our vision? And then we'll talk about, well, what are the needs for carrying out that vision? Um, you know, some of you might know the vision of the Firehouse Church here. Um, here's a few verses I just thought were kind of founding verses of the Firehouse Church um, back when we were just praying about starting it and what would the name be. But one of them comes from this idea here in Hebrews. It says, um, Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. From the beginning, we wanted this church to be centered around our God, who's a consuming fire. We wanted to be a place of worship for our God, who is to be held in, in reverence and awe. And that's at the heart of the Firehouse Church, is worshiping, worshiping that God. Um, uh, another verse here relates more to our mission. That uh, The idea, there's a passage here in Jude that talks about um, save others, snatching them out of the fire. 
You know, we have a mission. God, Jesus, when He left the church, um, He gave the church a mission. And that mission was a rescue mission. And that's the mission that we are on still today, 20 centuries later. And so... um, or 21 centuries, I guess we're in here. Um, but that, you know, that's at the heart of what we're doing. Sometimes people ask, uh, you know, is this building, are you the firehouse church because this building looks like a firehouse? And the answer to that is no, no. But it's okay if you think that. Um, but no, this, we've, we've been the firehouse church for 10 years. We've been in this building for three to four years. So it can't be the case that that's why we named it because we never knew we were going to be here. Um, but, but we are on a mission, and the idea of we're laying down our lives to, to extend the, the rescue message of Jesus Christ to people who need to be saved from the flames that are to come, the flames of His judgment against sin. Um, another verse I uh, think about is, Is not my word like fire, declares the Lord, like a hammer which shatters a rock. You know, from the beginning we had the, the hope to see people come to believe in Jesus Christ, but also have their lives transformed by God's word that's like fire, that's living and it's active and it helps us to become more like Christ. And so those are some of the, the things that our church would love. Rescue, transform are ways to summarize love and, and worship God and rescue the lost and transform believers into fully devoted disciples. That's our heartbeat here. Uh, Another statement about our our mission is to reach the world with Jesus, starting right here. That's what we're trying to accomplish. Um, And so, let's see here. Some other uh, things related to our vision, some practicals here is, uh, what's the vision of the Firehouse Church? You know, one of the things we've talked about recently is this summer we we went away on a, a pastor's retreat up in the mountains, and while we were there praying and seeking God, we felt like God put it on our heart, the idea to become one church serving three locations within three years. We experimented this summer serving a, a north location and a south location, and, and then we also did like a Sunday morning, Saturday night thing, and uh, you know, just to see, God, what, what are the opportunities out there? And uh, It was a great summer of experimenting, but in some ways we, we sensed there was some momentum in the south, and there was some momentum Saturday night and Sunday morning. God has just been blessing with visitors and, and people People jumping in, and so, um, but we do think God would have us to be three locations within three years. Right now, we have two full-time pastors. One of the goals that we would have would be to fully support our full-time pastors. Tim, I think, might have shared some on this uh, a couple weeks ago. But you know, currently we have uh, Greg Miller and myself full-time. But Greg is at a place where, um, coming out of the architecture world, his, his company worked out an arrangement that he can do some supplemental uh, income through them. That's Actually, they pay him better at a supplemental hourly wage than they did when he worked full-time for them. So it's a great deal. But he's using that to help supplement salary needs. You know, and then I've been at a place where, as we've gone through the Dave Ramsey stuff and looking at some of the categories that you're supposed to be budgeting for that, you know, I think most pastors know about them, but sometimes you just cover what you can cover and you keep going. And um, you know, I realize there's some salary needs that I would have and some things that I'm supposed to be saving for that I have not been saving for. And a lot of it just comes down to there's only so many places my salary can go. And so, um, you know, we would hope to even have a third full-time staff related to three locations. But here's some of the, the current needs that I, I thought I'd share here. Let's see. So we do have some current needs. You know, a little bit part of this is that through this process of looking at our needs and our budget, I've been, I feel like God took me on a little journey here. And um, you know, my story was I was working for Hewlett-Packard for a couple years out of college, and I left my software engineering job to go full-time with the church. And I've been full-time in ministry or with the church for over 17 years now. My income has entirely been made up of a ministry support team or being provided from by the church. There's only been a couple occasions where I sought income outside of the church. One of those was about seven years ago when um, well, I had some extra, took on some debt related to some housing projects, buying our first house, and, and I thought, you know, I need to pay off this debt at a faster pace than, than my salary can help me do. And so I, I looked into doing some uh, supplemental income, some computer consulting stuff, and it, it was, you know, it looked profitable or, or, you know, something, it looked tempting up front, and it was hard, and there wasn't a lot of money to it, and eventually someone gave a special gift to help provide for that need. The only other time in those 17 years that, um, that I've looked for uh, additional income outside the church has been in the last couple months. And, and I'm looking at my budget and looking at the salary and looking at things that I'm supposed to be saving for and realizing this is not going to add up in the long run, you know. And so um, 
I, I pursued, uh, pioneered for the last couple months, just took a day a week, you know, trying to keep full time with the church, doing all that I've been doing, and I would take a day to explore a, a consulting, safety, compliance, sort of OSHA consulting. Uh, my father-in-law does that out in Omaha, and it had provided for him, and so I was checking it out to see, and I put a number of hours into that one day a week for the last couple months, and up front it seemed more profitable than it has been, uh, checking it out uh, as a matter Matter of fact, there, there was not a lot. I think a check finally came in last week on that. But in the process, you know, um, I felt like God took me on a journey to just search my heart out on this a little more. I remember uh, two weeks ago I was talking to John Meyer, who's one of our regional pastors that kind of coaches churches in our region. And, and he just threw out the idea, hey, what if you, instead of taking that one day a week outside the church to pursue this that is not bringing in much income, what if you took that one day back into the church and you used it maybe entirely for following up with the new people that God's bringing to your church and seeking new uh, you know, growth in the church and trust God to provide the means uh, you know, within the church for, for my salary. And, and that was a wild idea. I was like, yeah, you know, that makes sense. The, the challenge had been really there's two options there. One is that um, you know, just be full-time with the church and, and trust that the money coming in would provide for that. The other, which a number of people do, is seek income even as pastors. We have bivocational pastors throughout our uh, association of churches. Brad is working full-time, another job. I think of Tim and Dennis uh, working and have income outside of the church. And some people are somewhere in between full-time and, and full-time working outside of the church. And um, and, and I felt like my prayer had been, Lord, I'll, I'll do either one of these. They both would take faith to trust you to provide the income I would need from only the church, or it would take faith to pursue things outside of the church. I'm willing to do either. My prayer for the last couple of months has been, Lord, what do you want me to do? And this last week, I was just on a prayer walk, and I was just praying, Lord, I was walking around this lake over by my house that I like to prayer walk, and I sat down on a rock, and I'm just, same old prayer, you know, Lord, there's this way or there's that way, and, and what do you want me to do? And, you know, and I felt like um, he just had me pause, and, and really almost he turned the question back on me. And the question was, Rich, what do you want to do? What's on your heart? And, and I realized that, the whole reason I got into um, this following Christ and wanting to be a pastor, you know, as I, as I was, you know, as the Lord spoke that question, I was looking at the ground, just kind of, you know, thinking, praying. I looked down and I saw a little piece of metal on the ground. What, what do you think it was? Gold coin, maybe? Uh, that'd be nice. Uh, no, but I looked on the ground and right, right in front of me as I'm praying is this, this little rusty fish hook. And I felt like... Uh, at the same time, the Lord just reminded me, hey, what, what got you started in this gig? And I remember when I left my job, I had to go seek monthly gifts from people, from hundreds of people who I, many I never knew before, and God ended up providing. And, and one of the verses, the one verse I had on my leaving piece that I would give them when, when I met with them was this, this one here that's, um, Jesus called out, come along with me and I will show you how to fish for the souls of men. It went on to say, and immediately they left their nets and followed him. And I left my nets, and, and I've not looked back. And, and I feel like, some ways because of the budget, I'm going, oh, we don't have a lot of money. I, I, I've got to look for something else. But I think maybe I didn't um, fully search out the idea, Lord, you've always provided for my needs. Um, and, you know, there's times I've felt those needs more than other times, but you've always provided all that I've needed over the last 17 years. And I felt like he caused me to go, well, maybe um, if I, you know, it's one thing to look at an option because it's the only one you see. It's another thing to look at an option that doesn't see, you can't see it right now, but to trust me in that. And, and really, I feel like that's what God wants me to do is to trust him to provide and, and provide through the church or any other means that he would have here. But, but I'm willing to trust him to provide through the church. Um, and again, one of the very first verses I had when I was praying, should I leave my job or not? This verse, one God spoke to my heart. And it says, though I am, a free, I am free and belong to no man, I make myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. And I just, when I saw this little fishing hook sitting down there, God just flooded me with these verses of why I was doing what I was doing in the first place, why I still am doing what I'm doing. And... Um, you know, my heart is to win as many as possible. And originally I thought being full-time with the church is the way to do that. And you know what? I still believe that's true today. And um, again, another verse in the middle of all this journey was 
Uh, and I kind of was like, really? How does this, this is speaking about marriage or single? But at the time, I was praying about uh, supplemental income outside the church or trusting God to provide from within. It said, each of you should continue to live in whatever situation the Lord has placed you and remain as you were when God first called you. And I realized God called me to full-time ministry and I need to at least give Him a shot to trust Him to provide before I look at the next, the next option out there, really the only other option I see. And so I'm going to apply faith that God's going to provide. And, you know, really uh, that kind of leads into this whole um, our, uh, next, the practical step we're going to be taking as a church. We've only done this from time to time. Uh, we, we've done a special offering a number of years ago when we were trying to move into this building. We actually did an offering for one year period, and then we did another one. Just We felt like God really wanted us in here. Between the two years uh, of taking an offering, God provided almost $100,000 from a church that was a smaller size than this. And we're, we're not talking about doing a long-term offering at this point. We're just talking about doing a short-term offering to meet some of our, our need, immediate needs, some of the pressing needs here. Again, this is a verse I shared often when raising support in ministry, um, making a ministry team. But the idea that Paul said here is, hey, thank you for, for your, your gifts and, and help, you know, helping meet the need. But he said, you know, I, I'm really not looking for that as far as it goes for you. I, I'm looking for what may be credited to your account. You know, I believe God's going to meet my needs. He always has. It may be through supplemental income. But I'm going to look to Him and trust Him to provide it through the church until He proves otherwise. And I think anyone who's a part of meeting the needs of the church, or you know, some of them are directly related to our needs as pastors, some are related to just running the church here, but I believe there is a way that God will credit that to your account. You know, I think it was John Wesley who said, you know, you can't, when you die you can't take anything with you, but you can send it on ahead. One way you send things ahead is through your giving, and God will credit that to your account. When you get to heaven you'll find out there's a better interest rate going on there than anything you get around here. Um, but so we're going to be collecting an offering for the next several weeks here. And, you know, the way we do that practically is just um, uh, if you write a check at all, if there's something God puts on your heart, we're going to look at some numbers here just to be thinking about. Uh, we've never shared this need publicly, and so I feel like it's not given one, God a chance to, to respond or, or you a chance to respond as well to the needs that our church is, is facing that we understand as pastors here. Um, but you can write in a check just in the memo line one of these categories here or special offering just so we can track it a little better than, than our regular tithes. Um, you, if you, if you give a cash gift, you want to put it in an envelope and all of this if you want, uh, you know, the tax deduction that we will send you a form for that. But make sure you write your name on an envelope if you do a cash gift. We're going to be collecting this for the next couple of weeks. We might even take it into the just the end of the year. Sometimes people give money uh, and gifts at the end of the year just because uh, the tax deadline's coming up and, and it is a, a good and wise thing to do to get some deductions there as well. But um, it also has some needs to meet around here. Just a few of them. I'm going to zoom through a few of these just to get you thinking about them. If you have any questions, I'd love to answer them. Um, we're probably not going to publish this anywhere, but you can sure ask. Um, but, uh, you know, we have some things we need to do around here. The roof needs repairs. Uh, at least our landlord thinks it does. Um, and that's in our contract. We have some, some ministry with our visitors. We try to give a gift. And, there's you know, we could actually use some money to buy some more gifts there. We have some money related to campus ministry that uh, would be good to give. We have some reimbursements. I think about in the... You know, uh, being on staff, we have our health and medical benefits, but, uh, you know, I know there's some reimbursements that we could get back to Greg Miller here. Kaiser had a thing where they kind of didn't bill for his insurance for a little bit there, and so we had to pay a lump sum on it, and there's some things built into some reimbursements there. You know, we've got some walls and some painting and things like that. You know, I've got a few needs that, that I feel that I would share as an immediate or, or you know, even uh, short-term needs. A lot of them relate to just my vehicle. It's, uh, it's got some things that are going to go uh, any day now. And I know Dave Ramsey says, you know, you're supposed to save that much money, but that is not a category I have money allocated for. Um, you know, between the fixing the vehicle and paying it off, you know, it's almost as much to fix it as it is to pay it off. But there's some things there. Um, you know, we would like to have a buffer. As a church, for, for many years, we've had just a buffer that uh, if things get tight, you have a, a month that's slim and a, and a month that's not, that you just have this buffer. We, we really don't have a buffer right now. We have a very, very small savings account. 
my conversation with the finance team over the last number of, we usually have some milestones in the month. The front of the month we pay rent and certain expenses and we've had a few times where I'm talking with the finance team and we're going, oh, it's going to be close to pay these bills. And the next milestone in the middle of the month we pay our, our salary, our payroll. A few conversations, it's going to be really tight this month. This is one of the tightest months we have. At the end of the month we pay off some things, anything that was paid through the credit card, there's a bill at the end of the month there, but it's been tight this last month or two and um, and yet we plan that things could get tight, and yet we share that there's a need that uh, we want to put before our church to see who, you know, who would be able or willing to help with that need, and then we'll go from there. Um, some of the shorter-term needs we think about here is, uh, uh, besides immediate, there's things, um, let's see here, just run through this and we'll pray. Um, you know, we are uh, we feel led to, to have some salary increases, some benefits that as we look at other pastors that um, are in our uh, association and in just in, the, in pastoring in general, we realize there's probably some salary compensation that we have been lower than many places on and, and feel in order to continue full-time in that, that there would be some increases that would be reasonable related to that. And yet we can't increase anything without funds related to that. We have a construction loan. Instead of paying rent, we have worked out a deal. We have free rent and we pay most of it goes to a construction loan. And that was, you know, God provided that, an interest-free loan when the banks wouldn't loan us anything. So we've been paying on this. That would sure give some breathing room if, if someone uh, felt led to, to pay off the construction loan. We have some outreach and advertising we want to do. Some computers need upgrading. Uh, you know, there's a window there from the two numbers probably represent the PC world or the Mac world there um, and, and associated costs. Um, so uh, auditorium needs. We'd love to improve the auditorium and, and replace folding chairs with, uh, with the nice church chairs. But uh, churchchair.com is not the cheapest place you, you, you would think it would be. Mother odds and ends, sound ministry needs. We'd like to get our, our compassion ministry going with some, some funds that we can use specifically for meeting needs there. Mission funds to support mission trips or missionaries, things like that. But these are some of the things that, that we fill our needs. And, you know, um, Brad's going to talk more next week just on some practical wisdom about giving and things related to that. But if you have any questions at all about this special offering, please uh, let one of us know as pastors and, and, you know, we can give you more about that, more information about that. But, you know, we're just going to trust God. Again, we... Um, God has always provided. And there's times where, uh, you know, I think of the verse that says, he, he who gathered much did not have too much, and he who gathered little did not have too little. You know, God's always met our needs, and we trust He's going to. And yet there's different routes for that. And um, we thought we'd just share this with you all as a part of an opportunity to give a special offering. And um, I'm going to go ahead and pray, and we'll call it a morning here. Well, Lord Jesus, we do just... Um, we thank You for this morning. Lord, we thank You for uh, Your thoughts on this matter of giving and, and what it means to You, how it relates to You. Lord, I pray You'd help each one of us just to, uh, to seek You and see what You would have each of us do, Lord. And um, help us to be men and women who are in faith related to our giving, who are uh, worshiping You with what You give us. Lord, um, God, I just ask You would provide for the needs of this church uh, in any way, in any avenue that You want to. Lord, I... Lord, I just tell you, I trust you to provide for my needs as well. And um, God, I'm excited just to continue to fish for the souls of men and women, Lord, and to build your kingdom. And God, I pray you'd help us as a church to carry out the mission you've given us, to rescue people from the flames, to make disciples who, who get a heart for you, to worship you, and, and to do the same, to be on the same mission. And we just look to you for all this. pray you bless the rest of our day, bless this special offering. And we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, well, thank you guys for joining us this morning. Again, uh, Brad Albert will wrap up the series next week.
I'm slow to answer, slow to speak. I found a safe place. How wide is your
to fall, for your presence to fill up my senses. There's a yearning again, a thirst for discipline, a hunger for things that are deeper. Could you take me beyond? Could you carry me through? If I open my heart, could I go there with you? For what do I have if I don't have you, Jesus? What in this life could mean anymore? You are my Bye. 